0: Here we are. Here we are at episode four. And like everything else where I switch it around, I was going to have curling Benny Hebert, but that is still in the edit process because I just went from a cheap app trying to do it for free. And now I'm on this audio recorder that I had a pin stuck it stuck into her. So we're going to do Colt Nost, but then we had to edit some of that. So it's a little shorter than it is going to be. Colt Nost is going to be unreal. But right now, so we're going to add on. Me and Joey Tedderink are going to kick it off, and Stinko Tedderinko, draft pick three thousand. How are you? I'm doing
1: very well. Doing very well. Uh, yeah, draft pick three thousand. I still remember that lady yelling that at me every time I played in Portland. I love it. I love it. <laughs>
0: oh, I, oh yeah, because I always, you know, how you have nicknames in the phones for guys. Uh, what? Hey, what am I on your phone?
1: Uh, Dick Taylor. But you have a really cool picture of uh of a guy playing hockey with a half cage. Not, oh, not, Herb, her Right, Herb Raglin. Her, Herb Raglin. Yeah, the uh, when he played with the Nordiques, he had a half cage. The only guy I've ever seen with a half cage, and he's on a hockey card. And that's what I have as your as your identification.
0: Do you re- Do you remember when I had that Herb Ragland card, and then I put it in the plastic, and then I got a hole punch from like my old paper route thing, and I put it on my keys? That was my keychain. Because yeah, you always back lose when I had that.
1: Always lose your keys.
0: Yep. So I I have to have like uh, people always ask if I'm a janitor because of my keychain so long. <laughs> and that kicks off with old Herb Ragland. What, yep. what a what a mask, man. The half I haven't seen the half cage mask since the Cudworth Tricky Maroons do it did it. And I think that's why they're called the Tricky Maroons is because uh they we were better than them in senior and we went to their barn, man. And I think it was minus 30 outside. And I think they turned the air conditioning on. It was so cold. We, no one could see anything. And they beat us due to uh, visors because yeah. they all had half cages, these bastards. Yeah, and I think played with a lot of guys it. from
1: Cudworth. And you got to watch those guys. They'll they'll take the elements. They'll uh, they'll use anything to win.
0: I think that's why they're called the Tricky Maroons, man. Jeez, yeah, they just put tricky. two and two together. Now yeah, they
1: probably put decaf coffee in the visitor's dressing room, too. <sighs>
0: what do you think i have you in the photos uh oh the
1: stinko tedarenko uh yeah yeah. it could be smoky eating champion there could be a lot of things in there
0: just uh stinko it's funny when you get the names and they come up and they come up on your thing like uh and and a group text like I have Greece and the thing about being from Prince Albert is most of my friends left to play junior and half of them came back with the nickname Greece because everyone's like where are you from Prince Albert oh that greasy town <laughs> so we had like three people come back with Greece and then Rat so we have Greece Rat uh what do, what what do guys call you what what's your nickname around other people do they just call uh, you Tets yeah
1: they just call me Tets yeah. That's Stinko, you're the only guy that really calls me Stinko, but give listeners a little background on that story. Um, playing four years in Portland, there was a lady that had that had season tickets right behind the penalty box, and uh, every time if I started a game and I was on the blue line, there's that kind of pause, or when they say your name, she would yell out over a silent crowd, Stinko Tedarenko, draft pick 3,000, <laughs> she absolutely hated me. She hated me so much, and you, she had such a distinct voice. And even after we won the Memorial Cup, she actually came down and apologized. How she gave me such a hard time over the last four years. But even funnier story was I went back. Our coach was our coach, Brent Peterson, was being inducted into the Portland Winterhawks Hall of Fame. So I went back there to drop the ceremonial first puck for the for the uh, <laughs> for for the game. So I was out there, and you know when it goes quiet before the anthem. <laughs> <laughs> She yelled. Please
0: tell me. She yelled
1: it out. Stinko Tedarenko, draft pick three thousand, and she she yelled, "Sit down,
0: fatty." <laughs> I I love how that's in your home barn. Like that's not like you're playing a rival. You're not playing. You're not playing the Thunderbirds or anything like that. That's in your that home barn.
1: Seattle, it was in uh, it was in Memorial Coliseum in Portland. I could tell you where she sat. She probably still sits there. Really? Yeah, one of the oh. great. When she she was committed to beaking same thing for four years and then twenty years after so really Man, that's she really hates commitment she really hates me
0: that's one thing I missed as a goalie was uh beaking because it's harder to beak like in things but this is a move and I don't know many goalies that I don't know if many goalies did this but I I would do it you know when they'd go to drop the puck like say it's in your end and they're kind of like everyone's getting ready it's not it's not that loud because everyone's getting ready for the faceoff I would always loudly beak guys on the other team and 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 I never the, the fuck you I'm going to kill you line in hockey means nothing cuz like, are you really going to kill that guy no you're not like no like I would always I would always go after like cutdowns like if they had a guy on their team that could uh was a bad skater. Like remember Struby wasn't a great skater. Remember Nathan Struby
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember. He had kind of,
0: he had kind of one ankle go out there and then like the pucks about to drop. It was like, Oh my God, look at buddy's ankle over here. Twite, just right twisted down. <laughs> and then, you know, cause guys off his team have obviously skated with them and they're like, yeah. Um, the
1: best is when you can beat a guy and guys on their own team start laughing. You know, you got it good and you hit it, you hit a nerve, you hit a nerve. It's awesome. When you get some backgrounds from some guys from their own teammates, and uh, really, really cut deep. It's uh, th- those are the best ones because when your own teammates don't don't defend you and they're yeah. laughing, you, f- you really feel like a piece of shit.
0: <laughs> I, I remember guys in PA, there was a guy, his, his name was Terry, and they told the other guys on the other team, to bug Terry and call him Telemerical Terry because they would fire him up because his own teammates would do it. And then the other team had did it, and then he knew that they'd told him to do it and he and he like spazzed out on the ice. Yeah. <laughs>
1: really tight knit group when when you're getting the other team on you from your own buddies.
0: Oh I but I remember playing uh senior um in I was playing against Canistano, and I'd played junior there and there was a guy on my team, Bouye, and then they had this other guy on their team, his last name was Skeen. And, and and I knew from playing with Bouye, I just made up a lie. Like the guys in my face, digging at me, I get up, I was like, buddy, you're the biggest loser on the team. Bouye told me nobody likes you. He said, you're... later I find out they're half brothers. They just got different <laughs> last names. <laughs> I was like, oh, whoops daisy. I guess I didn't do my homework on that one.
1: Yeah. Full out fight at Thanksgiving.
0: <laughs> oh man. But we got um we got Colt Knowles coming up in uh today's he is he's so funny. He he's like the le- he's like a PGA legend, man. Like I think all the PGA guys uh love him. Like I think PGA guys are more like hockey players than you'd realize. Like uh he likes to cut loose, have a few drinks, so we had a real good time and we're going to bring him up here. I don't know. We'll bring him up in about uh 8 10 minutes. Just in case anybody hates me and you and they're just here for Colt Nost, you can fast forward. Yeah. <laughs> to
1: it's the best thing, just keep hitting the, the the 10 second forward arrow, the 15 second <laughs> yeah. forward arrow.
0: So would you uh what'd you get up to this weekend? I know we both uh guzzled. I guzzled real hard Friday. What day did you guzzle?
1: Friday. Friday, Friday started early. I felt like I really accomplished things in my week, which I don't know how that's that's uh capable right now but yeah I started Friday I was all jacked up for a uh, for a call that we were having with some of the guys from our from our junior team from the Portland Winterhawks 98 group and Chris Jacobson threw that together for us and kind of started early by the time everybody got on there I was uh I was uh kind of full and then kept going. I think some of the guys were on the, on the call for like four or five or six hours. It just guys kept coming on, going off and made for a long Saturday. That that's one thing you can never be 120%. You can only steal. You can only steal tomorrow's fun.
0: If if you feel
1: hundred percent, you can only steal. You can only steal (laughs) tomorrow's fun. You can never, you can never, you, you can't save up fun. You can only steal it from tomorrow. And I definitely stole fun from Saturday and Sunday, yeah, Sunday was—I had to go on the yep. a couple times. Had to really try and straighten. Forty, me. man. Yeah,
0: the old two—the old two-day hangover, and and then just question every Sunday, questioning myself, like, what are you, what are you doing, buddy? Uh, start cleaning your life out. So today I've. Uh, I, I've had some oatmeal, steel-cut oatmeal, and some water, and I'm telling myself I'm getting my life back on track.
1: Yeah, just uh, really cutting down on the carbs. You're telling yourself, I'm going to eat clean. I'm going to sweat <laughs> it out. I have a sauna, too, and just turn it up to about 350 and try to sweat it out. But then then you feel like a piece of beef jerky after that. You don't know what's better. So, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's such a wicked web we weave, ebb and flow.
0: And, here, and uh, here's the thing. So... I drank uh, Friday and then I had a Zoom gig Saturday. And the thing with drinking and comedy is uh, like you need to get energy f- to do a show. Like, so if, if you come in f- fresh and you're just starting a club like on the Thursday, you're so fresh and you love it, but then you have a good time. So then you steal tomorrow's juice and then you're like, oh my God. And then you're like, now I got a drink to get up for Friday's show. And then you drank Friday and you're like, oh my God, now I got a drink to get up to Saturday. So it's a, it's a slippery slope. So I was like a zoom gig, you know, there's no crowd there, but you still just to talk. And I was so hung over Saturday. Right. I had to get like, a, I had to get four or five in me just to get that uh, gig. So done. guys
1: would always talk about their pregame meals. What's yours like three whiskeys or, you know, six pack of beer. You know, guys always talk about their pregame meal and a nap and hockey. What's, what's a comedian's, what's a comedian's, uh, make sure that he's at peak at about uh, <laughs> 10 minutes That's- before a
0: show. Okay, here it is. I'll give you it. At the beginning when I first started, it was the earlier the earlier you started the better cuz I cuz I would have no nerves. Like I would be coming in, but I I would be hammered and it was like at the beginning my comedy was like it was just it's almost like I was at a party. Like I was just the guy at the party messing around, like not really telling jokes. And then as you go on, you realize this is not the way stand-up comedy is. I should write the odd <laughs> joke. So then I would go from uh, drinking as much as I could to, you know, drinking a few. And then and then I went through a part where I didn't drink at all. I did this one. Uh, not like a, it was 83 days I did. And I've only done it once. But, oh, my God, so sharp on stage. I couldn't believe how easy it was. It was like, boom. Oh, and that story. I remember that. Boom. And I was like, holy, maybe I shouldn't have been trying to loosen up all the time.
1: Well, because you, you talked about you starting a gig, you're going Thursday through Saturday, you go to a spot, let's say Winnipeg or Calgary, and you're probably at your best that Thursday show, and everybody that went to that show say, like, he was awesome, and they keep filtering in Friday and Saturday, and they wonder what the fuck happened to you by Saturday? Is that that kind
0: of... it? It is, but then there's times when you're drinking and, and you're just on this, you find this perfect balance of looseness and... uh just these ideas pop in your head, so you're on a heater. But it's it's messed up. Like, for how much I drink, I've only fucked up on stage a few times, and I remember them. It was bad. Like, because the one I was like, I, I would make up the whole show. The, it, that's the hard shows to follow is when you make up one, and then people come back, like, this is going to be – and they expect something like that. And I was like, man, that was just lightning in a bottle. I can't do that again. So you try to drink and find that same buzz of being on fire. So I try to do that this once in Regina absolute backfire like i thought it was gonna be a bunch of hockey guys no it was just a hockey guy who'd set it up through a guy and it was like a higher end corporate and i came in hot and right off the hop they're like has this guy been drinking all day yeah i have (laughs) and i felt like shit after that i was like oh man i got that wasn't a good one i got kicked out of um the what was it mount or the vic bar in regina and then the guys, I was like, what? I was like, oh, what'd I do? And they started crying. They go, it was one of the funniest things ever. And I was like, okay, well, that's good. I got that out of the way. I uh, I cupped a fart. And then when the waitress went by, I kind of like went like that. And she went, ah! I was like, man, I'm 37 at that point. I'm cupping farts at a bar? What kind of degenerate am I? Well, I used to fart. That's my obvious, That's my lowest point. I used to fart in quartz
1: sealers and put them back in my mom's, <laughs> my mom's canning supplies to see if she could open them up in the spring or in the... Whenever she's canning stuff, it's an old we trick. We
0: did we did fart we did fart in mason jars.
1: Yeah, you learned that trick from from other generations. But uh, but as there but do you, so you know now if you'll get into it if it's if it's like a festival or something like that and you know it's like it, hey no, I have to. there's
0: I'm uh, much more mature now. <laughs> I would like to say <laughs> like there's things where you have to do a golf function or something and I almost it, it gets to the point where I'll be like oh man I'd love to golf with you but it, it in Hindsight for the show, it'd probably be better if I don't golf all day with these guys because then I come in and it's like, ooh, he's fully loaded. But it's even then I uh for a lot of comics I can get away with it. Uh but I'm just not well, you've quite as sharp. You've
1: been priming them up during the golf tournament yeah. too. Though. that's <laughs> probably that's probably a little pre-work. That's your pre-game skate for for them.
0: Yeah. So now my favorite thing, like it would be a nice uh couple 2 3 beers or a whiskey or a couple wines at supper and a nice dip of Copenhagen and then just boom there you go. Yeah.
1: do are you a uh, you a meditation guy? You, you you visualize a lot before you go on stage or is it just kind of ready, rock?
0: Uh no, but you I will look at each crowd as different. And even if you do the same show cuz people ask you, do you change your material? You change your material because no crowd's the same. But you even if you do the same just of material. Each crowd has a different vibe to it. Yeah. Too. Like, They're like I can do almost kind of like I can books, do the same
1: show. If, if you read in elementary. If if they laugh real hard, turn to page thirty seven. If if, <laughs> if if it's pretty dry, then turn to page thirty nine. What of, is
0: that's? I know the name, but what is that story called? That book? Oh, choose your own adventure. Choose. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Oh.
1: Those are the ones I always like to read. I did those for book reports because they could always be different. <laughs> and you didn't have to read as many pages
0: <laughs> that's what i did for book reports i used to always pick video and then you i remember i had a cab corner that we'd try to send in I'd try to make hamlet for grade 12 and i handed it in but try to get your friends in grade 12 to act properly when you're doing a thing wallen has buddy of mine just has this rubber chicken each time i stabbed him as a brute he this rubber chicken would come out couldn't get one take without him bringing the rubber chicken out oh man
1: but oh, so we can go on forever But so you had a good weekend what was the uh, Friday night just gave her
0: yeah for, it was the exact same as you like you think you've accomplished something during the week and it was hot out so we're just outside and then just I'll oh, start with a few beers and then I went to whiskey and then I just went to waking up in a bunk like my son's bunk bed and just like whoo wee like
1: so it was the first official day in Saskatchewan where you could have your shirt off
0: the, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, and even then, most people wouldn't have. But I, I'd tarp off, and I was kind of hid behind the wind. And and then the Saturday Zoom gig, you would have knew a few guys on there. It's uh, Kelly Chase's Fantasy Camp. He has this one guy, Liam Burgess. guy's a big beauty. And he comes in and buys these uh, guys. He loves Armstrong. So Colby Armstrong was there. His brother uh, Riley was there. Uh, Barnaby, uh, Matthew Breer, uh, Breer, Daniel Breer, sorry. Matthew Barnaby, Daniel Breer, uh, Jim McKenzie. And, and Hey, Jim McKenzie, yeah. we, we'll, we'll get him. We'll get him on the podcast. Cause he, he was your first fight. Hey,
1: my first NHL fight. Yeah. I was so eager to go. Um, we were playing in New Jersey. He was in New Jersey at the time I got called up and Terry, Terry Murray was my coach, uh, for Florida. And I was so excited. I wanted to get into a fight so bad, um, but uh, bad thing was it was against Jim McKenzie, and it was the worst time to pick a fight. We had just gone up three to one in the early of the second period, <laughs> so like no reason for me to be fighting. We had momentum; we we're up three to one on the New Jersey Devils, and I think it's it was the coach's mistake. Why would you send me out there to line up next to Jim McKenzie? I was just like ready to rock, and um, I think he asked me—I I forget who asked who. I think it might have been me. I was like, hey, Jim, you want to go? And it also, he just kind of mumbled. He went, Bruh, ruh, ruh. and I was like, okay, we're going to go. But I thought that we were going to back up and square off. Rookie mistake. I turned and I faced him with my hands down to drop the mitts. And boom, he already had his glove off. He hid that he put his glove off on the other side before the puck drop. And he smoked me right in the nose. He broke my nose for my first NHL fight. Didn't go very well. And uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so veteran veteran Jim McKenzie got the little punk rookie, which is uh, hats off to him, and then they went on to win the game. So really took <gasps> – <laughs> really changed the momentum for the Florida Panthers early, early in the first after going up on a hot 3-1 lead against the uh, defending Stanley Cup Jersey Devils, I think it was. But even better to the stories was I got my first uh, NHL hockey card picture taken that night, action shot with uh, – so much gauze pushed up, pushed up my nose, and uh, my nose is all crooked. So I really look like a, a real winner. <laughs> a real winner. Okay,
0: we. I I know the hockey card. We got to get that picture up with your nose. Absolutely, just yeah. Oh, it's gigantic.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, got a couple, <laughs> couple different couple angles on it, but uh, hey, finished in. But you know what that means, though. I did. What's have, that? I did have another shift in that game.
0: <laughs> you had another shift of that broken nose? Yeah. Well, they got, me, did you
1: come out- they got me an action shot with all the gauze at my nose.
0: Oh, so- yeah. But did you, but it doesn't have, you didn't come in with like a Herb Ragland mask or anything. Look at That's doing no. a callback. We'll start with that. Yeah. So you went out with a broken nose and had nothing covering it? Yeah. Come on, Holy man. shit, man. That's, that's tough. That's, that's okay. Okay. Cool that's good. We just circled back. We did uh, a callback This started out with Herb Braglin, and then we'll end at Herb Braglin because this is the Colt Nost one. And uh, that was a fun little beginning, buddy, because we can always talk forever. I love it.
1: I know. We have to cut ourselves off. So structure's coming together, Kel.
0: It sure is, buddy. Okay. I will uh, talk to you next week. And next week, <laughs> hopefully we get the edit down. We're gonna have uh, Benny Hebert. we're gonna record uh, this week with Natasha Natasha Stanishevsky. Oh, we got her on board. Yeah. nice. Uh, yeah, she's the she's the best. She's just so a, okay.
1: beautiful person, beautiful person.
0: Inside Out. Oh yeah, remember uh, you actually met her when yep. uh, I brought you with me to uh, Mayday's function in T.O.
1: Yeah, we went to a we went to a function, a charity charity function. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, we we were the the two animals there everyone else in <laughs> Toronto done up to, and then two sask hillbillies just nice jean coats boys yeah. nice jean coats yeah
1: it was like d- dumber and dumber guys with, denim, with <laughs> denim tuxedos instead of uh instead of the, the, the orange and the blue ones and that's how we acted that's how we acted
0: okay that was good so now we're going to kick it off I'm going to uh Get this Colt Nose interview. There's some parts where the editing, uh, it was so hard to work. We had a little bit of a delay, so I, I'm laughing in weird places, but we try to clean it up best we could. Man, Colt Nose is an absolute beauty. You're going to love him now. Just retired from the PGA Golf and um, now doing CBS. Was literally one of the greatest amateur golfers in the history of the world. Him and Bobby Jones. He, won, uh, he was number one amateur in the world. So here we go. We're going to listen to Colt nost thank you okay here we go our next guest wow. <laughs> oh he's already here Cole nost. hello. What's How are happening? You? i'm great this is exciting <laughs> look at that I get, I get i haven't heard that southern accent
2: for a while <laughs> it's been a while it for sure has yeah probably the most
0: sober sober we've ever been around each other too yeah i don't even say i don't even, you know what i'm gonna say this right now I don't think we've had uh, any time really sober beside each other. So this will be new. That, that is a fair point. What I if agree we, with you. What if we don't end up liking each other? This will be weird. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. We're going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here it is. Colt uh PGA golfer, just retired. We would have met, and here's – we'd have met at Graham DeLette's um, golf function in Idaho, and meeting you – you can always tell – when guys give you this little speech of like, I was like, oh, on who's this guy? Who's this guy? And Delette, like out of all the guys coming in, he goes, like, yes. And he taps the paper twice on your name. And he goes, you're going to really like this guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What a time
0: that was. <laughs> yeah. It's usually a side. A guy likes to have a good time. Maybe a couple of drinks. Cause you came in, there was uh, I think seven or eight of us. Uh, there's PJ guys at the lobby. And then we went to the, uh, function like the, kind of the evening function where we all get auctioned off except you came in. Was it, did you come in with Max Homa or who'd you come in with?
2: Yeah. Max and I came in really warm (laughs) from Vegas. Uh, We were supposed to, Graham's wife booked us, booked us a flight really early that morning out of Vegas. And we were like, no, we're not, we're not getting up that early from Vegas. So we flew later on our own and came in just like I said, rather warm, and um <laughs> not my proudest moment I would say at the charity function, but
0: I uh I heard I Oh had a great man, time. you came in hot. It was awesome. When a guy cancels, like, no way, I'm coming in to coming in from Vegas and you came in. Like it, it, your hat wasn't even backwards. It was almost like like to the side, a little bit off kilter. People are dressed up and all that. You came in shorts and a t shirt, hat kind of sideways, uh looking good. I loved it. Great meeting. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I roll. Uh, the more drunk I get, the more the high Okay, yeah, then that that was about right. And then we yep. had a good night. We had a good night yep. that night. And then in the morning, we wake up. And I, holy man, I almost went MIA. Uh, I got auctioned <laughs> off, and it was crazy. There must have been crazy money at that golf tournament, because I got auctioned off. And it's all PGA guys except me, the dud. And I got oh. auctioned off for like four grand. And I... And I wake up at like 7 religiously. I got up at like a, like 10.45. We had to be at the golf course at 10.30. But then I ca- <laughs> I remember you. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you showed up at the course and you're like, the one guy I thought would beat here,
2: I would beat here, actually beat me here. You showed up late. It was great. Yeah. And you had that.
0: a uh, bloody berry in your hand. And then we uh, went from there. Oh, man. And then that was great because you didn't even know my name the whole time. I was uh, Randy the whole time. Called me Randy. I like that.
2: That's <laughs> Graham texted me the other day and said you had this podcast going. He's like, Kelly. And I was like, you mean Randy? Because you're in my phone as Randy and you always will be Randy. I like phone. it.
0: I like it a lot. Right. Okay, so we'll start. You just, uh, you just retired after the waste management. So here's a question. Most people retire and then they just like, man, I just can't wait to golf all the time. I know you're going to be busy because CBS has got you and you got uh, podcasts going and everything. But what does a guy... What do you do for a hobby now that you're retiring? I seriously, I think I play more golf now than I did when I was doing it for a living. Um,
2: I will do my radio show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in the morning, every day. Uh, gamble it up. Have a few cocktails. It's uh, it's really fun. I, I seriously, I, I'm taking today off. And before that, I had played 16 straight days. So we are very lucky here in Scottsdale. So it's open. It's, um, you know, you have to do the social distancing thing. So everybody, if you take a cart, you take your own cart. Um, there's no caddies, no anything there's cup liners in the hole. So the ball doesn't go down. So you're never touching anyone or putting your germs on anything. So you basically just play golf and then leave. We are Something pent right up.
0: Man, We're there's a blizzard going on right now, and we are pent up up here. That's incredible.
2: Yeah, it's like 77 today, a little cold front
0: for so us re, here now this they, time of year. But, you know, I was going to say, bad. what do you miss the most little <laughs> golf? But you're still golfing. So what What's what aspect of being on uh, tour are you, you going to miss the most? Man, there's a couple things. I mean, I'll always miss competing. I love getting amongst it out there with the
2: guys. Um, it's so fun. It, and the other part is just being out there with all my buddies, you know. Tuesdays were like my favorite day as a practice, and I'd walk up and down the range and talk trash to everybody, and then go out for a, for a money game, and just always. I mean, everyone that's ever caddied for me laughs. laughs. So like he shows up on the range an hour before he tees off, but he only hits balls for like ten minutes because he's talking the other fifty minutes, and that's just. I'll. I'll always miss that. I mean, I just love, you know, playing pranks on
0: guys out there. I mean, you're around each other so much. You know each other so well. That's great. So yeah. For it's people, always fun to mess with each uh, other. Because there are going to be some Canadian listeners that might be following me for curling or hockey, and they'll be getting to know you right now. Yeah. You're known as kind of, you'd be known as like a fun guy, like the number one fun guy to golf with. Is there any certain pranks that stand out there? Like, man, that was, that was a that got done to you or just that have happened around tour? Um, well, my favorite one I believe I've done was to your boy, Graham Dillette.
2: So... I'll make it a quick story. So it was the week Bryson DeChambeau turned pro. So the week after Augusta National, we're at Hilton Head. And obviously DeChambeau and DeLette's lockers are next to each other. And all week Graham's bitching about how this kid who's been out here for five minutes just has stuff everywhere from his locker. He can't ever get to his locker. He already hates this kid. He's never even met him. So all week he's complaining. Then he has to post a tweet like, welcome to the team, uh, yeah. hashtag cap it like Bryson. Because you know Bryson wears those funny little hats. And so I was fucking with, I was jacking with him about it. Like, I was like, oh, you have to tweet and all this. He's like, I had to, it's a Puma thing. Well, that week they were selling hats like Bryson's and they were in the tartan jacket um, print. Like you get, if you win the tournament. So I had my caddy go buy one in the gift shop and <laughs> brought it back to me and I signed it. I said, two gram, best of luck in your career, Bryson DeChambeau. And I put it in his locker. And so <laughs> this is Friday. This was Friday. I played in the morning, so. Friday afternoon I'm hitting balls on the range, and here comes Graham and he's hotter than hell walking to the range. You can, can say everything. It. Everything. And I don't know what all we're allowed to say on this podcast, but I'll just say it and you can bleep it out. Burn. So so here comes Graham. You know, he can get all fired up and he goes, You're never gonna believe what this fucking kid did. And I'm like, you like, know, I mean, this kid, he's been here for five minutes, he signed a hat and left it in my locker, autographed it. Like, like, I don't even know who the hell this kid is. And he's just I was like, Man, that's kind of messed up. And he's like he goes, I think I'm going to say something. He's like, you think I should say something? I was like, yeah, man, you should say something. I'm like, dying. So he leaves. Me and my cat here just die laughing. He comes back like 30 minutes later. He's like, he's still just all flustered. He's like, I think someone's fucking with me. And I, and I couldn't hold it in anymore. And I just start dying laughing. He goes, you're fucking with me. I was like, God, that was my most fun hour i've had on the pga tour oh, Just watching that's, that's you freak out about gold
0: this kid hey, didn't you step on his driver too and break it too uh, <laughs> okay see, well this is it That's clear a very
2: misunderstood story so we were yeah everyone made it act like i did it on purpose or i, I and i stepped up i didn't even step on it and we're getting ready to go out and hitting balls and he's got like one of those super stroke putter grips which i don't know if your listeners are big golfers but they're like the oversized grips on his driver And he's got all his clubs laying on the ground behind him as he's hitting balls. And I go down and I'm like, what is that grip? And I go down to pick it up. And as I do, he steps backwards right in the middle of the shaft as I'm lifting it up and it snaps in half. And I went into full panic because this guy of all people is like, he probably spent three years trying to get that driver just like he wanted it. And then all of a sudden here it is. I'm partially responsible for this thing snapping in half. I was
0: like sweating.
2: I'm like, and then everyone tells everyone that I stepped on the driver. I'm like, that is not what happened he stepped on
0: it so did he hit three wood the rest Uh, of the round
2: or what happened i don't know i was so glad we were just going out to play golf and i have to be around him it was uh but so the puma rep's a good buddy of mine he called me he's like you just took three weeks off my life
0: you don't have to name names you can name names you're retired was there any guys like oh man this piece of shit
2: yeah uh there was a couple i thought someone was playing a prank on me in cancun one year i got a text saying i was paired with uh Jeff Overton and DA Points, who are both nice guys. They're just not the most enjoyable to play golf with. So you literally you get a text on Tuesday with your tea time and I just threw my phone in there. I'm like, Are you shitting me? Like how do you get both of them at one time? Like one of them's no big deal. You always get another guy. But how do you get both of them and then me and Roy Sabatini always kind of butted heads a little bit. I didn't think he was the nicest guy on the golf course. Thought he was kind of a dick. So
0: what was there, what was there for your, you got a favorite tournament that you played in that you're like, how's that? And and then we'll get like, how is that waste management tournament, man? Yeah.
2: So my favorite was always the players championship um, down in Ponte Vedra, just the way the tournament was ran. The golf course was awesome. The crowds were huge. Loved it. I've played well there. So I like any place I play well, Uh, waste management. I mean, that's my home tournament. Now I've, Love that place. I love the atmosphere. I mean, it's a shit show. There's no doubt, but you know that going in. So when players complain about it, I'm like, look, guys, you don't have to play. You know exactly what it's going to be like. It's a party out there. People can be rather rude. I would never let my mom come to that tournament because she gets kind of sensitive when people make fun of me or talk trash to me. Uh, so I would never let her come. But this year, <laughs> since it was my last one, she she came this year, and she uh, she's like, well, this is different. So. <laughs> this is different so it was uh I mean it's great
0: though what they've done it's just awesome and it's like I said it's one week a year so you just deal with it was there any courses not, that not much you gets just better than that in the game of golf. hated the, or you could almost hate it because you're like oh this doesn't play to me I don't like this this is
2: jeez yeah that Beth Page State Park up in New York I hated that place uh, it's so long it was a terrible golf course for me and like it seemed like every year that I had a good year on tour the first playoff event would always be there and then I would play like shit, and I would move way back or get knocked out, and I'd be done. Um, so I hated that place, and the fans are brutal there. I love New York, but man, their fans can be can be ruthless. They make the people at waste management seem really nice. So, uh, but it's it's still fun. It's just not
0: a good golf course for me. We might not be able to get to hear a lot of it. There, there's uh, trash talking going on from fans. Oh yeah, all the time. Like the first hole at Bethpage is this really hard dog
2: leg right, ninety degree dog leg, and I missed it in the left rough one afternoon. And these New Yorkers are just wearing my ass out. And I just look at my caddy. I go, I don't care what happens the rest of the week. I will not miss it left on this all ever again. Because you're right up next to the crowd. <laughs> oh, my God. They were just obnoxious. Like, just get me out of here. But uh, it's fun. I mean, I like to talk trash back to them sometimes. I mean, they kind of think that, like, not, I'm not going to fight anybody, obviously. But uh, they get a little personal sometimes. And they think that rope's like a, a barrier wall that no one can Is there, Has there
0: ever been one time so where it actually got in your head? You're like, get... What, what's this piece of shit doing and was he ever like and was there a guy like ever like a repeat guy like you'd see him again like this Chewy- goddamn yep. asshole like he's out to yep, get you yeah there was so we're playing at Hartford
2: at the Travelers Championship and I'm in the next to last group on Sunday playing with Tommy Ganey and I, I was playing like shit I was like three over par coming up coming up 18 and they have tons of people on 18 there And I'm walking up, and I think I'm three over par. And this guy just starts wearing me out. Nice fucking playing. Looks like you'll be back on the web tour next year. You never belonged out here anyways. And I'm like, who the fuck? What did I do to this guy? Like, did he bet on me or something? I don't know. And Tommy Ganey wanted to go fight the guy. And I'm like, no, just leave it. Let's just get the hell out of here. So I shoot three over. I'm done. Next year, I'm in contention again. (laughs) Play bad again on Sunday. I'm coming up 18, and the same asshole is there wearing me out again. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I want to be like, what have I done to you? I'm literally walking up 18, and he goes, remember me? And then just lays into me again. I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. What did I do to you? I had to have done something to this guy. I have no idea. I wanted to w- go- walk over there and ask,
0: but I never did. Oh, man. What did you do to that guy? Exactly. I want to know. I had to have done something. <laughs> <laughs> What's your tiger encounters like? My first ever
2: Moment. Like, I saw him when, when he would play Byron Nelson in Dallas when I was a kid. But my first ever time playing in a tournament with him, I got a, I got a sponsoring exemption in Bay Hill the year after I won the U.S. Amateur. And I'll never forget, I, that was my first time playing in a tournament that he was in, and I was two groups behind him on Thursday. And he would warm – that's when he lived in Orlando. So he would warm up at his house in Iowa and then drive 10 minutes over and go pretty much straight to the tee. So I'm leaving the locker room Thursday – and there's hundreds of media people lined up down this hallway walking towards the putting green. So I come out of it and I hear these spikes on the concrete. Quick, <laughs> quick, 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 and I turn around, it's tiger. And I was so scared and intimidated. I jumped up against the wall with all the media guys and let him walk by. I was so nervous. That was my first ever and I and I told him that. A couple years later, he just started dying laughing. But he's the only guy, I think, that I've never, like, big-name guy I've never been paired with. Gillette said, make sure to
0: ask him about when Phil fleeced you at Madison, when he moved the (laughs) tees all the way back so your partner was basically playing the tips. What's that story?
2: Yeah, he still claims that this never happened, and it's absolute bullshit because I know it happened. So we went out and played at Matt. Me and Phil play against each other all the time. We're never on the same team. And he's a terrible golfer, but he loves to gamble. He gets 24 shots from Phil. Pretty me true. and him are playing Phil Mickelson and Bing Crane. Like, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. This is the most unfair match I've ever seen. So he gets 24 shots, and BZ's like, don't worry, I'll back you, whatever happens. So Madison Club's the longest shit. So we finally agree that BZ gets to go up a T box. Phil's trying to argue. I'm like, Phil, the guy hits it 200 yards. You gotta let him go up a T box. So we start on the first hole, and the T box is 30 yards ahead. He hits. Second hole is a part three, so there's not that much difference. Third hole, same thing. There's like five yards between our and the next tee. And the next hole is like a 500-yard par four. And I just look at Phil, and he kind of winks. And I'm like, what the fuck? He called the pro shop and had him come move <laughs> all the next-to-back tees right in front of the back tees. And we got, hilarious. Least, I don't even That's know what the dirty. total number was. Yeah, It he was very he gave you dirty. you a chance to bring it back in cards? Yeah. So one of my – I think it might have been my rookie year. We're at Bob Hope out in Palm Springs. And – they texted me. He was playing with Pat Perez and Dustin Johnson out at Madison. And they texted me, like, hey, come out, hang out, have a drink. I was like, sure. So I come out. I just, my clubs are in the back of my car. My golf shoes are at the locker room at PGA West. Phil's like, hey, we're going to another nine. Grab your clubs. I'm like, sure, whatever. I've never played with you. Yeah. That sounds great. So we go out. I have no golf shoes. Like I said, he goes, me and you for a thousand bucks. I'm like, ugh, can't really say no. I look really soft if I say no. So he just fleeces me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God. He goes, I heard you like to play gin. And I'm like, I love to play gin. He goes, all right, let's go shuffle him up. And he will still never play me in cards again. It's, I think it's just more that I chirp him so much when I do actually win that that's why he won't do it. I mean, the next day I was trying to get him to play again. We're out at Madison Club, and, there's, and he's like, no, I'm not playing him. And I just go, Phil, maybe you'd feel more comfortable at one of our lower stakes tables. <laughs> and the place just
0: died laughing. that's a great line man yep exactly you're, you are and like bobby jones uh-huh. are like two of the greatest amateurs ever and then here's the hard question i was like oh man so when you when you win the amateur you get uh you get to go to the the masters the u.s open and the uh the open but and like like any regular person i would have waved that and went and just went pro is there any regret in missing, uh, missing the Masters? I mean, it sucks. Yeah. Every time, like this time of year, it always sucks, knowing that I've never played it. Um,
2: but at the time, it was 100% the right decision. It's just, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I always thought I would play well enough to make it, and obviously I didn't, so that sucks. But at the end of the day, like, it was my time to go. My stock was as high as it was ever going to get.
0: How was it? You won, like, you win the amateur, and what's the other one? It's like amateur and amateur lakes or something?
2: I want to put the publics.
0: Pub yeah. Cause the thing about professional golf is it's not like, like other sports, you always have to earn your keep. You know, like if say you got your good ball season or something like that, then you sign your eight year deal and you're living comfy. Golf is
2: so, it seems like it'd be so stressful. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no draft. There's nothing. You have to earn your way. Like, <laughs> yep. I mean, when I finished my amateur season, I was the number one amateur in the world. So, I mean, in other sports, you would be getting signing a fat signing bonus. In a, in a five-year contract, and be, life's great. For me, I had to go through Q School. <laughs> so I go through Q School, and I got on the what was then the Web.com Tour and now the Corn Ferry Tour. And, um, you know, it was great, though, because it, it taught me how to you know be on my own, travel, be, a, be an actual adult, and play 25 weeks a year instead of, like, 12 like you do in amateur golf. <laughs> um, so it taught me a lot, and it was great. And I had a ton of success, and I thought it prepared me for the PGA Tour. I got slapped around when I got on the PGA Tour the next year. Uh, but once again, it was a, it was another learning experience and, um, man, those days are great. The web.com tour is so different. Like, you know, everyone's out there. You don't have a ton of money. Everyone's kind of together. You know, you go to dinner together, you travel around together. It's, it's, it's really fun. The money sucks, but it's fun. Whereas the PGA
0: tour, everybody's kind of their own little, their own team. And some of your greatest memories are kind of made, made then. Cause you're with guys, maybe you're bunking with guys and all kinds of, and some of your best stories from there. You, you got any good stories that stand out of, uh. Of that tour, uh, (laughs) yeah,
2: one funny one. Uh, my rookie year, so 2008, I would won twice already, and if you win three times, you immediately go to the PJ Tour, like the next week, the Battlefield promotion. So I was in the last group at Omaha, like two shots off the lead, going for my third win. Well, they Omaha is like the one big party tournament on that tour. They have like a pavilion set up. They have a band. You know, drinks are flowing. Well get to chasing this girl around that night, which I think I might've been set up and got, got pretty, got pretty blasted. The next day, the heat index was 117 degrees and I was so hung over, terrible shot, like 77 finished 40th. Um, so that was a, that was a rough one, a good learning experience. But maybe wait, maybe wait we didn't get anything from the girl. So I mean, it was a terrible decision. Yeah, I don't feel that guilty about it. I mean, life's too short. Have you ever
0: shot lights out the next day after that?
2: Yeah, uh, I'll tell you two stories about playing guilty, as you say. So we we're at Greenbrier one year, and I shot seventy six the first day and was almost in next to last. I think I was next to last, and I was first off the next morning. Well, Kenny Ch- I'm a big country music guy. Kenny Chesney was playing a concert that night. They have a casino at the Greenbrier. We go to this concert. I get a little banged up because I'm not making the cut. I'm in last, pretty much. <laughs> I'm at the casino till two. Have to be up at five. Um, first off, I go hit two balls, and I'm like, "This is pointless." I'm out. I go sit in the bleachers on the first. <laughs> I go sit in the bleachers on the first hole and wait for my wait for my tee time. Group comes up. Caddy apologizes to him. He's like, "Guys, I don't know what's about to happen." I wow. think he's Still drunk from the night before. And I was fine. Like I acted fine. I was just quiet, whatever. I shoot 29 on the front nine and I'm just lights out. Yeah, I'm now I'm all of a sudden I'm like shit, I can make this cut. We get to the we catch the group that's last off the backside, so we have to we start waiting. I sit down on the 11th tee box. I'll never forget this. And I get so hung over. Oh. like it all just hit right then because I sat down. And I end up parring the last 8 holes, shoot 65 and miss the cut by a shot. Uh the other time I was in Vegas and I p- finished on Friday morning, i birdied the last and I'm in like 54th place. Like so I'm going to make the cut. I go back to Aria, uh, taking that. Well, I wake up, the wind just completely died. Scores are going nuts. I'm in 72nd now. And this is when cuts were 70 in ties. and ties. I'm like, well, I'm not making this cut. So they had that um, play got suspended due to darkness. I'm sitting in the casino. Like I said, T72, this thing's over. Six guys had to come back the next morning and finish. Well, they're all finishing on number nine at TPC Severin, which is a par five. So I'm, I'm toast. So me and Jason Duffner decided to get after it pretty good, go to the nightclub, have a party, show up. He was staying out of two bedroom door <laughs> he was staying in the other room. We were out till 6 in the morning. At 9 in the morning, he, I wake up to him slapping me in the face saying, hey, you're on the tee in two hours. My ears are still ringing from the nightclub. I got stamps all down my forearm from all the places we went. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, I would have missed my tea time if it wasn't for him. But he, uh, he woke me up. I'm like, how the hell did this happen? And two guys went out that morning and made bogey. On this easy part five, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me! So I go out there and I'm paired with two of my good friends, but they're the two most straight shooting. They probably don't find it as funny as a lot of guys. But I'm with Webb Simpson and Ryan Moore, and I'm just shit house drunk. Oh, still. I mean, it's just, the story. I'm a mess. So I shot worth
0: it. I shot 78. It was awful.
2: Anybody cool. needs to get in a nightclub in this city, just cut my arm off because all my stamps are still here.
0: So, same man. Like everyone loves being around you. Do. You have any country music stars that are uh, or singers that are uh, fans that you hang out with?
2: Oh yeah, I've been very lucky to uh, to meet quite a few guys. Uh, Cole Swindell, who's you know up. I mean, he's big time now, but he's definitely more up and coming. Uh, Dustin Lynch. I played golf <laughs> with George Strait three times, which was unbelievable. Like, hey, we going to play golf with George Strait. I was actually nervous because I mean, I'm just he's he's the king. I mean, it was just so cool. Um, and I and I, he's a 12 10 or 12 handicap i think but he is the coolest nicest dude just has his sips on his cocktails all day plays golf and
0: and you regularly golf with tony romo correct
2: yeah so tony when i was living in dallas tony was third string quarterback in dallas so we we hit it off back in the day um we met when i was just out of college and started hanging out playing golf and then all of a sudden he became tony romo i mean we used to go to dinner places and no one would come up bother us or anything and then all of a sudden he became the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys and we couldn't go anywhere without just getting him getting attacked everywhere it was totally different I I mean like four (laughs) years before that no one knew who the hell he was next thing you know he's starting quarterback for the Cowboys he's dating Jessica Simpson
0: uh, I mean, things just totally changed. That's was, cool, I've been... was retirement an easier option now that you had all this CBS and other things on the plate?
2: Yeah, that was part of the reason I, I decided not to go back to the corn Ferry tour and try to chase it a little bit. Um, I had this huge opportunity with CBS and, uh, I did three events for him last year and it was awesome. I loved it. I got, I felt like I got better each week and then they gave me seven this year. And so I was getting ready to get started at the end of this month, but obviously with all, the corona and all that going on, I'm going to miss a few of those. But hopefully we get back soon and I can get to work because I'm really looking forward to it. I love doing it. I love talking about the game of golf and hoping to bring, you know,
0: just a little different side to it, make it make it fun. Yeah. Obviously, you have, there's going to be diehard golf fans that are always going to be diehard golf fans, but there's some that are on the fence that maybe you are the guy to push them on that fence to make it a little bit more entertaining.
2: Yeah, and that's what I want to do. I mean, I'm still – I mean, I'm 34 years old, so I'm still kind of obviously very young to probably – quit playing the game. But, you know, I feel like this is a calling for me and I lo- and I love doing it. I have a great relationship with all the guys out there. I mean, I feel like they yeah. trust me. They tell me probably some things that they don't tell other people. And um, I can, <laughs> so I'm never, I'm never going to say anything I shouldn't on, on air, but it's, I can, I can show a different side of these guys.
0: Did Dillette ever get you back for the prank you pulled on him? Oh, two years after I got him that he goes, I'm going to get you back one day. Just remember. And so
2: I here at Waste Management Phoenix Open. I walk in the locker room and I open my locker, and there's a hundred <laughs> pictures, selfies of Graham, taped all up in my locker, and a sign that says "Remember Hilton Head." And there's like there's like pictures of him and his kids, him like with his beard making weird faces, just lining my locker. It was it was pretty funny. I still came out on top of the pranking battle, but but that was definitely a good one. I'll tell you. And since we can say anything on this show, it's it's awesome. I love saying this. So. Gary Woodland's my best friend out on tour, and he used to live in Orlando, which is where Bay Hill has played. So this was several years ago. So I was dating a girl at the time, and she had never met Gary and his wife. So she flies to Orlando. I go pick her up at the airport. We're coming back. And when I go into Gary's house, I go through the garage, and then the the room I stand right there. So I'm carrying her luggage in there, and we're walking in, and I open my bedroom door, (laughs) and he put on the raunchiest porn you've ever seen and there's a bottle of lotion and kleenexes all over the bed <laughs> and i'm like oh my god <laughs> i'm just like jesus Christ. i walk out and like i said you've never met them and gary's like colt where you been i haven't seen you all day <laughs> and i'm like you son of a bitch and uh he told everyone at the golf course that next day he great. was so proud of himself
0: uh, does charles barkley legitimately try to golf with that ugly swing or it- or does he kind of just go out for functions? Or does he actually love golf, too? He loves golf. <laughs> and he wants
2: to be just decent. So bad. I feel so bad for him. And he's actually gotten a lot better. He's gotten a lot better the last couple of years. That's for sure. He, uh, he plays around town every once in a while. I've known him for 10, 12 years now. He's the greatest dude ever. Um, I love that guy. He's, he's honestly who I try to, to kind of be like in the yeah. podcast world with golf. Like I think he is unbelievable at his job. He is so good and so fun to watch. He used to be pretty good. He was like a five handicap at one point. Have you golfed with
0: Michael Jordan? Yeah,
2: quite a few times. Um, Been very lucky. Well, one of my sponsors when I was playing was Aria in Las Vegas. And he's a big gambler, obviously. And so I would go anytime they'd have a function or anything, I would go do it, play golf and hang out with those guys. And Michael would always be there. And so he's been he's been great. We've probably played 10 times. And wow. I mean, talk about being starstruck. First time I ever met that guy. Holy shit. I mean, that's. That's, I mean, as someone my age growing up, I mean, that was the guy. I mean, that's, you had every pair of Jordan shoes, wore Michael Jordan jersey, and to meet and play golf with him is, was unreal.
0: Awesome guy, Michael Jordan. It, like, the aura around him would just be too insane.
2: Yeah, he's, but he's so cool. Like, I mean, when he's out on, golf, on the golf course, he's
0: talking trash, and smoking <laughs> That's cigars. Right. All, yeah, all just normal dude. at the end of the day. But he's it's just the, the biggest legend of them all. Hey, and here's the thing I did with Graham at the end. Said, you're going to do any segments in your thing, like what grinds my gears? And I was like, you mean like the family guy uh, thing? So I was like, oh, you mean like what chaps your ass? So... I guess we we're gonna end things with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and have you ever shit your pants? Have you ever had to shit your pants when you're on the golf course, or have you shit your pants?
2: Oh my god, close, yeah, very that- close, a couple of times. I mean, I think every golfer has that story. I had one at this amateur tournament, the Northeast Amateur where I was <laughs> off early in the morning and it, you know, the coffee and food hadn't kicked in yet. And we're going down a hole and I'm like, oh boy. I call a rules official over. I was like, dude, you got to take me to that bathroom there. Well, it's locked. I'm like, fuck, you got to be kidding me. He's like you can't stop. You got to keep playing. To... He goes, I'll go get a key. So I had to go play the next two holes and I just <laughs> finally gets a key and brings me. He's like, you can't just stop playing. And I'm like, well, this is about to be real bad. I'll tell you a funny story about that. I had this kid, he's a rookie on the corn Ferry tour, Taylor Montgomery. Um, his dad's the GM at shadow Creek in Vegas. He told me the story when, when Taylor was 11, he was out playing a junior tournament and he had to shit his he had. He was had to shit so bad. He's getting ready to go run in the woods. Well, instead of grabbing his towel, he grabbed another towel off the kid's other kid's bag and took it into the woods. And they they get to the green, and the kid's like, hey, has
0: anyone seen my towel?
2: <laughs> like Taylor stole his towel and wiped his oh, ass with it.
0: That is a that great play. My podcast can be a little different. It ends on uh, yeah. have you ever shit your pants type stories, buddy. <laughs> Oh, cool. Thank you so much that for being is, on. That, that awesome. was, uh, that I was so it. fun. I can't wait. Uh, I got to get down to that waste management, uh, tourney for sure. Like that's on the bucket list things to see, man. Okay. buddy. Thank <laughs> you so great. much for doing the show and uh, enjoy retirement. Yep. I look forward to watching you on CBS uh, all the time and checking out, uh, your podcast subpar. Thanks so much, man. I
2: appreciate it. That was fun.
0: Okay. Sure was buddy. You, Take care. You all got back. it.